our back fault lines the nixon and stranahan 105.5 fm am 1390 in washington dc also all over the damn internet we are not only internationally known but known to rock the microphone and we are bad and nationwide also if you miss an episode you can check us out in the popular podcast format on Spreaker, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app, the Spotify app, the Apple Podcast app, and, of course, the Sputnik website and Sputnik app. We have some breaking news on the Brexit situation. And joining us now to talk about that and more is our friend Patrick Henningsen from 21st Century Wire. Hey, Patrick, how are you doing this morning? Hey, guys. Great to be with you. How are you doing? Good, good. Okay, so let's talk. We got a lot of Brexit stuff to talk about with uh, this uh, maneuvering. I, I, I don't know how else to put it. This maneuvering going on. And the breaking news we have right now is that Boris Johnson has now said, because we talked about this, Garland, they're trying to do things to make, you know, to make it harder for him to get the no-deal Brexit right. through, which is the only – by the way, that's the only deal Brexit they're going to have. It, Absolutely. It's either the no deal Brexit or nothing. Would you agree, first off, would you agree with me there, Patrick? That's it, right? No, it's not it actually. Okay. Uh, oh. That, that, that's what that's what the press is talking about. This is what the uh, opposition is harping on. But this is predicated on the assumption that uh, Boris Johnson is not going to get a deal from Brussels, and they're going to be meeting uh, the final EU summit on this matter before the scheduled exit of. October 31st is the 17th and 18th of October. Now, Boris Johnson could very well uh, go to Brussels or his team could go to Brussels and they could get that deal uh, from the EU. Okay, so there, there can be a deal that's actually in the provisions of the EU withdrawal bill number six, which Hillary Benn, who's basically running point right now on the opposition to a no deal Brexit. This is in the text of the bill, which he's just put out on Twitter uh, just a few minutes ago, uh, and it basically says it does leave the door open for a deal. However, <laughs> however, yeah, yeah. Uh, that do, that does put Boris Johnson in the exact same position again that that uh, Theresa May was in, where she comes back with uh, a provisional deal, and then the the House votes it down once again. Now that it, that could happen, and then in fact there would still be a no deal, but that wouldn't be because of Boris Johnson or, or Brussels. It would be, again, because of the House of Commons. And by the way, Boris Johnson voted against <laughs> Theresa May's deal uh, twice as well, I, I believe. So he's partly guilty uh, for the current situation, if you, along with many other Tory Brexiteers. Okay, so let's, okay, so the, the timeline you're saying is that on October 16th and 17th, the, uh, they give a meeting in Brussels with the EU set up right now that's why right. i would say this this is significant breaking news which is johnson wants to push the date from the 31st to the 15th garland which is before have you seen this patrick uh yeah i haven't seen this yet no this must be just breaking now. yeah it is it is breaking yeah it just came out over sputnik a trusted yeah. news source as far as i'm concerned Yep. It seems to me, Patrick, too, that when I hear, you know, uh, th this talk of, um, you know, possible other options, when I look at what's happening, it's clear that, you know, the, 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 the um, you know, the, the, the people in England who are opposing Boris Johnson's, uh, 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 you know, Brexit moves want to just stop it, period. The people in Brussels want to just stop it. It seems to me that they are not honest players here. And to me, anything I hear that says, yeah, let's try to do this a different way really means 
how can we stall it and stop this thing for good? You know, should Boris Johnson or anybody who was in favor of Brexit trust any of these people who are claiming to have an alternative option uh, or alternative option? Am I just cynical or are these people really just finding creative ways to try to kill it any way they can? Um, there, there's there's a lot of different forces at play uh, on this issue now. So uh, I, I, I couldn't say one way or the other. What I am telling you is that uh, there is an opposition. Uh, there's two different separate camps. Uh, so, uh, you know, th this is politics, basically. So, you know, one side wants to oust the other side from power. And if it means uh, that it's going to be done through this Brexit process, deal or no deal, uh, then this is one way to seize power. No doubt about it, there is a power struggle in Westminster right now. Not only that, there's a power struggle in Washington that's brewing as well in the 2020 election coming up, but there's globally a power struggle in terms of who's going to be dictating the economic policy for the, for the world. And I personally look at Brexit as the uh, first move in the fundamental economic restructuring of the post-World War II uh, world order, U.S.-led world order or anglo-american world order uh, this is what i think this is what brexit signals to me there's a fundamental restructuring economic restructuring going on and not everybody's on board with it as you can see there are opposing camps on both sides of the atlantic and in europe and it seems like it's also caused a big uh, i'm going to use a british uh, term garland a row it seems like it's also caused a row with labor right yes uh, well, there's a split within labor, and this is one of the problems uh, that labor has as well. Uh, for instance, if there was uh, to go to uh, a general election, uh, labor would then uh, have a problem in that they're not completely united uh, behind uh, Jeremy Corbyn uh, as their sort of leader. Uh, so you have a, some fundamental problems there. So because there's not a real viable, cohesive opposition there, uh, this is also um, you know, a weak point, a major weak point in, in, in not only in the sort of this Brexit back and forth tussle, uh, but also uh, in, you know, there's no there's no real left. There's no left left in, in Britain. It's it's a ne definitely a neoliberal dominated. Hillary Benn is Tony Benn's son. Uh, he's pushing to the front. Uh, likely this would be Tony Blair's pick. Uh, for to to be prime minister, basically, if there was a new government formed and they could somehow oust Jeremy Corbyn and get rid of him, uh, the general consensus in uh, most a lot of the Labour Party uh, in terms of the parliamentary side is that they need to get rid of Jeremy Corbyn. Uh, but he's still popular amongst the uh, Labour membership, especially a lot of the young Labour members. Uh, so, but again, uh, with these defectors from the the conservative side, uh, they. A lot of them said they could do a temporary government with uh, Jeremy Corbyn as a caretaking prime minister, as it were, national unity government for a few weeks, maybe, uh, or as Basil Valentine said on our show on Sunday, uh, they probably won't tolerate Corbyn any longer than your average stay at an Airbnb guest. So uh, <laughs> that remains to be seen. Uh, now, that, that, see, as soon as he... Um... As soon as I heard talk of a possible snap election, the two words that, that that popped into my mind was Nigel Farage. And that is in the midst of, you know, this Brexit, you know, debacle and with uh, Farage, you know, being, you know, Mr. Pro, Bre Bre you know, kind of the face of, of the pro, Bre uh, you know, Brexit people. Um, 
if they call a snap election, I, wouldn't you think that Farage's people would, you know, slip into the mix and and, and probably grab a, a whole lot of power? Uh, I don't think so. No, I don't think okay. so. If you look at no, if you look at the uh, the the latest polling, um, they're not even putting the Brexit party uh, into you know into the into the mix. I mean, they, there's not that many potential viable candidates. Uh, Nigel Farage's power is not in Parliament. Nigel Farage's power is with the people. So in a general election, uh, you would then have Nigel Farage's voters wouldn't be necessarily voting to put Brexit party candidates uh, into parliament in, in terms of seats. That's not, it, that doesn't look very likely. They're, they're well represented in the European parliament. But what, what they would do is throw their support behind uh, a candidate who's going to deliver a Brexit. And where the bone of contention is between Nigel Farage and, let's say, Boris Johnson's Brexit camp in the Tory party is that uh, uh, under no circumstances would Nigel Farage said he would support the kind of deal that Theresa May uh, presented uh, to the House of Commons at her Brexit deal. And if, if Boris Johnson is really going to maybe run the clock out and put this deal to everybody and basically saying, look, this is the best deal we're going to get. Again, he's back to square one where Theresa May was. You know, this is the best deal we're going to get. At that point, Farage can go to his mob and say, look, we guys, look, we tried to get this, you know, great uh, Brexit, but, you know, we're going to have to settle for Brexit without the exit or Brexit with a, with a few EU uh, caveats stuck to the deal, basically. You know, it's either this or we're never going to leave the EU. I, I, personally, I think in terms of, you know, the goalposts have shifted a little bit there. And that the, the reality is uh, Farage is going to have to make compromises in, in terms of his hard line on Brexit. And then he'll bring his mob with him at that point. So, uh, so it just depends. But it's going to be a, a pitch battle no matter what. So any way you look at it, I, I'm, I'm thinking um, Nigel Farage, Nigel Farage's voice, his political influence and you know, his, I'll, I'll, I use this word guardedly, his political movement, because it seems like if it's a Brexit movement, unless he's able to, you know, convert it into something after this all, you know, there's all said and done with Brexit. It's not, it isn't, a, you know, a, lo a long-term movement. But um, Farage and his corner will be significant players in this, you know, whether or not somebody's running for their party. It sounds to me like Farage's voice will still be very, very significant in this whole, you know, how this shakes out. Am I wrong there? Um, I, I, I don't know. It, 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 that remains to be seen. I mean, he hasn't really been or he hasn't sort of got a major platform in the last 24 hours. I haven't seen him talking or taking a stance one way or the other. So that tells me that uh, a little whisper has been given to Farage's ear, sort of, you know, um, stay back here for a minute. Uh, this, this sort of is taking shape. So um, this is going to be really difficult. This is a bit of a test uh, test match right now uh, between uh, Boris Johnson and the Brexiteers uh, within the Conservative Party and the opposition. So the, the, the contest here is between, you know, if if they when can a general election be called? Can Brexit be delayed and kicked down the road? Uh, is Brexit going to be kicked into the long grass? And then right now we're looking at the end of January 2020. This is the this is basically the bill that uh, is you know and that's been put forward by the the opposition that uh, don't want to no deal Brexit. So if that happens, uh, you know right now Boris Johnson could benefit from a general election 
he could go to the people and he could say, look, um, this is about Brexit and make the general election a referendum on Brexit. Then the Nigel Farage's of the world can come to the fore and play a big role in sort of, you know, hurting the mob uh, uh, to the exit doors of the EU. Okay. Now, if there's no general election, then Boris Johnson, the Labour doesn't necessarily want to general election right now. The opposition coalition doesn't necessarily want it because they might not be able to win the general election. It's very close. It's right down the line, but they could lose. If they lose, they're going to lose double, basically. So the alternative is Boris Johnson is a zombie prime minister, uh, no general election. They've kicked Brexit down the road into the long grass. There's no exit from the EU, and this thing just goes on for another year or two <laughs> or whatever and anything can happen at that point so I, I i don't know it's i'm not taking anything for granted right now okay so let's say okay so pretend it's november which by the way i think a lot of people in england would like to do right now so pretend it's november and this is and pretend it's gone through somehow the no deal brexit or something has gone through is there any going back? And, and what I'm asking about is what seems to me like a, the post-Brexit scenario is this. Normally what happens is, and we see, we see this in the U.S., for instance, Garland, you remember after the Mueller hearings, you'd figure like, okay, well, that's it. But it's not it, right? The Democrats are still complaining about stuff and still talking about impeachment and everything else. But it seems to me like what, once Brexit happens, that is it because there's no like is there there's no no one's talking about like once it's over what would it take for it to put to put the uk back in the eu i mean that's not going to happen right that's not no well that could that could happen if if this drags on long enough uh then you know if if the opposition government right now if a government of unity takes over uh, boris johnson's lost his majority in parliament uh, dr philip lee did a big symbolic gesture, walked across the aisle, left the Conservative Party on camera and sat on the opposite bench with the Liberal Democrats. There goes Boris Johnson's parliamentary majority for the moment. So you could have a situation where they could engineer with the media, with uh, the op various opposition factions to Johnson, engineer a call, a viable call for a second referendum. Now that could go two ways. It could go pro-Brexit again, in which case, you know, the debate's over, but then we're back to sort of negotiating a deal again. Uh, or it could go uh, to, say, uh, stay within the EU. And then at that point, you have a kind of a civil war situation. And literally, that will spill into fighting on the streets, I'm sure. Okay. Uh, no, I, I want to make sure we get to other stuff because we got we got a bunch of things to talk about. And we, we don't, you, well, a lot of times we have Patrick on, you know, this going for two segments we got a lot to talk about. But let me talk about uh, the Assange thing. But first, what is the take as we look at the Jeffrey Epstein story? I'm hearing more about Prince Andrew. They, they announced last week that Prince Andrew would be willing to sit down. But it also came out that the uh, Metropolitan Police did not do a thorough investigation. Is the Jeff Epstein story making headlines? And, is, and uh, Prince Andrew also just canceled Garland. He was going to do a bunch of events some I forget where it was, like Wales or something, and uh, he just canceled the events, uh, which is interesting. So, uh, what are people talking about the Jeffrey Epstein story and Prince Andrew, and is the press talking about it? No, answer to both questions is no. It's dead and buried as far as the British press are concerned. Um, in fact, there's going to be room for very little in the news cycle here. 
uh, for probably the next nine to ten weeks. Uh, who knows, maybe longer. So uh, that's been conveniently brushed under the rug. So, you know, the, the, the attitude of the British press is, well, you know, Epstein's dead. They've dropped a federal investigation. The case is, is, is dead. So, you know, they'll basically push Andrew or any other sort of British names, maybe Ghislaine Maxwell as well, push them off uh, into the background. Uh, and maybe they can have time to rehabilitate their reputations, maybe rejig their stories a bit better. Uh, so they can come back to to the press with some new sort of angle. For Maxwell, it will be, I'm a victim. Jeffrey made me do it. He was a monster. I wanted to leave, but I couldn't. You know the you know the gag. Uh, and then and then start attacking the victims, a la De Alan Dershowitz, and calling them gold diggers and stuff like that. But as far as P Prince Andrew goes, it's it's definitely a a stain on the royal reputation his uh, involvement with, with Epstein, but already his uh, allies have already come out. There was an article in the Times uh, just on Monday, I believe, and uh, Lady Victoria Harvey, uh, who is uh, a, a royal of, of sorts, uh, she's come out and said, oh, Andrew had no idea what was going on. I'm sure he was clueless, et cetera, et cetera. And then the end of the article, the last line in the article was, this is in Murdoch's London Times, it said that uh, Ghislaine Maxwell denies any involvement in, in any accusations, period. So you can see this is where the mainstream press is going. They're not pushing f to further uncover anything or discover anything. No, they're, they're, they're pushing to cover it up and close it up, seal it, and just basically be done, be done with it and rehabilitate the reputations of, of any VIPs. That's what the mainstream press are, are doing. And now we only have a minute left, but we now Roger Waters, uh, legendary Roger Waters from Pink Floyd, played "Wish You Were Here" outside the Home Office uh, about Julian Assange, right? Yeah, I was there. I was there. I was uh, I was about ten feet away from uh, Roger Waters and John Pilger. I gave him a brilliant uh, uh, opening uh, introduction, and Assange's brother Gabriel uh, Shipton also spoke in a very moving address by the brother of Julian Assange. There was a couple thousand people there. It was amazing, right in, right in the footsteps of the home office there as he serenaded the home secretary uh, in demanding the release uh, in the end of the persecution of uh, WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange. It was historic, and there was no coverage, zero coverage in the British press, print or broadcast, and zero in the U.S. press print or broadcast isn't that amazing it considering is. the stature of of waters yeah and, and of julian assange considering the statue there too hey we 21 wire on twitter is where to find patrick henningson also 21st century wires his website he's also a uh, he's also in the uk column which is a uh, he's got a podcast he's got a lot of stuff going on patrick henningson always great to have you with us we got more coming up fault lines with nixon and stranahan